Good morning. Today is Wednesday, January 29th, 2020. This is morning prayer. Our readings for this morning are Psalm 119, verse 49, verses 49 through 72, Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 14, and Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 28. I will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation and so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God. Let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouths proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God has shown forth her glory. Come, let us adore them. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to God with psalms. For God is a great God and a great ruler above all gods. In God's hands are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are theirs also. The sea is theirs for they made it and their hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before God our Maker. For they are our God, and we are the people of their pasture and the sheep of their hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to God's voice. We, I think, that today we would hearken to God's voice, that we would hear God's voice, and we would follow God's voice. God has shown forth her glory. Come, 
Let us adore them. Right, Psalm 119, verses 49 through 72. Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my distress, that your promise gives me life. The arrogant utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. Your statutes have been my songs wherever I make my home. I remember your name in the night, O God, and I keep your law. Sorry, I had to pause, and I think that I might have missed a couple of verses, so I'm going to go back <clears throat> to 51. The arrogant utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your ordinances from of old, I take comfort, O God. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked, those who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs wherever I make my home. I remember your name in the night, O God, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me, for I have kept your precepts. God is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I implore your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think of your ways, I turn my feet to your decrees. I hurry and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous ordinances. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O God, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. You have dealt well with your servant, O God, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was humbled, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their hearts are fat and gross, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was humbled, so that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Genesis, chapter 16, verses 1 through 14. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bore him no children. 
She had an Egyptian slave girl whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, You see that God has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my slave girl. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her slave gar, her slave girl, and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife. He went into Hagar and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my slave girl to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May God judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Your slave girl is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she ran away from her. The angel of God found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave girl of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am running away from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of God said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of God also said to her, I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for multitude. And the angel of God said to her, Now you have conceived and shall bear a son. You shall call him Ishmael, for God has given heed to your affliction. He shall be a wild ass of a man with his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. So he shall live at odds with all his kin. So she named the Lord who spoke to her. You were Elroy, she said, for she said, Have I really seen God and remained alive after seeing them? Therefore the well was called Berlahiroi. It lies between Kadesh and Barad. Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle H, A Song of Hosea Come, let us return to our God, who has torn us and will heal us. God has struck us and will bind up our wounds. After two days, revive us. On the third day, restore us, that in God's presence we may live. Let us humble ourselves, let us strive to know God, whose justice dawns like morning light. Its dawning is sure as the sunrise. God's justice will come to us like a shower, like spring rains that water the earth. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Hebrews, chapter 9. 
verses 15 through 28. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, because a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions under the first covenant. Where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one is alive, as long as the one who made it is alive. Hence, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been told to all the people by Moses, in accordance with the law, he took the blood of calves and goats, with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the scroll itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God has ordained for you. And in the same way he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus it was necessary for the sketches of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves need better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself again and again, as the high priest enters the holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once, and after that the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for, eagerly waiting for him. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. The Apostles' Creed, found on page 96 of the Book of Common Prayer. Let us declare our faith together. I believe in God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, their only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who, was, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, who descended to the dead, who on the third day rose again, who ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God in heaven, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. Our God in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your sovereignty come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For for the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Will you suffragists at B found on page 98? Save your people, God, and bless your inheritance. Govern and uphold them now and always. Day by day we bless you. We praise your name forever. God, keep us from all sin today. Have mercy on us, God, have mercy. God, show us your love and mercy, for we put our trust in you. In you, God, is our hope, and we shall never hope in vain. Give us grace, O God, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ and proclaim to all people the good news of Christ's salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of Christ's marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. O God, the author of peace and the lover of concord, to know you as eternal life, and to serve you as perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ, our God. Amen. God, almighty and everlasting creator, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin, nor be overcome by adversity, and in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose, through Jesus Christ, our God. Amen. We'll use the prayer of St. Francis for our prayer for mission today. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Now is that time to share a few thoughts on the readings, and so I would like to do that. Let's start with the verses from our psalm, which was 119, 49 through So I had a lot of thoughts on on this portion of the psalm. 
I think that in our current context, where we are today in this time and place, we need to look at the law as is referenced here over and over as the ultimate law of love, right? Jesus said that that is the greatest commandment of all. And I know they didn't have it yet here when the Psalms were being written, but I think that is the beauty of divinely inspired scripture, that it can and does apply to our current context. I want to look at it through that lens, and I believe that's the lens of the Holy Spirit in this moment. So, when we are doing our best, right, because we're human and imperfect and we fall short, but when we are doing best to live our lives by the greatest commandment, we are going to be derided, as verse 51 says, by others, by those who here are described as arrogant, I would say who idolize human power and dismiss God, or even those within or profess to be within our own Christian faith, faith who are not, um, not focused on the commandment of love, like are focused somewhere else. There's going to be derision. There's going to be attack. There's going to be scorn. Um, and yet we take comfort in God because God's law, God's love, we could even really kind of substitute one for the other here. Um, they sustain us. We know that we're not living our lives for the approval of other people. We're living our lives for God. And so when we wake in the night and we're distressed as, as happens, you know, I, I, I definitely have experienced that myself. We can hold on to verse 55 and 56. I remember your name in the night, O God, and keep your love. I did the substitution there. This blessing has fallen to me, for I have kept your precepts. The psalmist here asks, I'm skipping to verse 66, for God to teach them good judgment and knowledge. And I, I would say that we, we, can, we can and should ask for that too. And, and how do we apply the law? How do we live out your commandment of love? Teach us. Counsel us, God. Show us how to do it. And, and God can and is and will do that for us. God's not leaving us out here on our own. You hear me say often, and I think it's um, pretty well embedded in 12-step spirituality, show me just the next right thing, God, and I will do it. Let's just do the next right thing. As Glennon Doyle says, we can do hard things. And I would add, we can do hard things with the help of God. We really can. And then there are a couple different instances here where the psalmist refers to being humbled and that that ending in blessing, before I was humbled, I went astray, but now I keep your word. 
It is good for me that I was humbled so I might learn your statutes. I think this is an, an example of the, the psalmist seeing it play out how God will take what is intended for evil and use it for good. When we are brought low, even by our enemies, even by our own mistakes, God takes that and uses it. We learn. And so we've asked God for this wisdom and learning. And no, again, I don't believe that God creates distress for us, but God certainly uses it. And, you know, I myself am in a time right now where, um, and you guys have heard me speak to this a little bit, so I don't want to be too distracting with my personal story, but I'm in a time where, praise God, I am experiencing great blessing, even in the middle of great persecution from my enemies. Um, and I am I'm definitely humbled and learning, and several of my friends have independently spoken a word to me about when, you know, at some point in the future, being able to use this experience to help others. And I firmly believe that, you know, you guys have heard me talk before about um, how I feel like there is an evolution, right, from victim to survivor to warrior. And what it means to me to be um, a warrior in this way is to go back and help someone else through. And I think that is the greatest way in which I live out the commandment or do my best to live out the commandment of, of love in my life is that I, when I am suffering, I enter into that suffering in prayer on behalf of not just myself, of myself and also all of those who are suffering. Um, communally, you know, so it becomes an intercession for all of us. And I really do do my best to reach back and walk alongside someone else who is struggling. Because the victory is not my victory. It is God's victory. And I firmly believe that what God wants us to do with the victory that God grants us is to share it. Oh, I had one thing that I was going to talk to you that I forgot. Um, talking about the arrogant, you know, the arrogant smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. We just cling to God even in the middle of the smearing and the terribleness. Their hearts are fat and gross. And what occurred to me here is like a heart clogged, like arteries so clogged that the heart cannot receive sustenance, blood cannot flow. And I think that is the case, like these evildoers, <laughs> those who are um, mocking us and deriding us and, and deriding God and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, their heart, nothing can get to their hearts at the moment because they're clogged. It's the, life can't flow through them. Love can't flow through them. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ and by Christ's power, to unclog the hearts. Unclog all of our hearts, God, 
ourselves and our enemies and all of your people. Clear out whatever is keeping the flow of your life and your love. Amen. In our Hebrew scriptures, in Genesis, and I seem to have lost my, oh, I thought I had lost my place, but here it is. This story of Sarah and Hagar, the Egyptian, there's so much here, but I want to particularly speak to Sarah's contempt on her mistress. How often have we, and we've talked about this before with comparison, I think, looked with contempt on others? You know, so here's the slave. She's She's in a position of injustice as a slave. And when she gets one up on Sarah, she's contemptuous and she's hurtful. We do this. We go from being the oppressed to the oppressor very quickly. And so I pray here that God would turn any contempt that we have into compassion And that we would have also self-compassion. That we would no long, that we would be so confident in who we are in God, beloved and amazing and wonderful creations, that we would not feel the need to put anybody else down. That we would just be secure in the fact that we are all divinely created, gifted, and becoming holy. And then Sarah turns around and passes off that suffering. She tries to pass that right on to Abraham. And she's like, may the wrong done to me be on you. We do. We trade that off. You know, like, um, retaliation, right? This is absolutely what it, and, and deflection. All of that is wrapped up in this. We're hurting, and so we literally try to, to pass, to, push that hurting onto someone else. And it's, it's even more than the old saying, misery loves company. It's that we have such a hard time, and again, I'm channeling Glennon Doyle here, sitting in our hurting, experiencing, letting ourselves walk through it, that we try to just like hot potato it off, either onto a loved one when we're deflecting it, like when we come home from a rough day at work and we snap at our kids, you know? Or we try to, push it back, like just passing, passing the blame. And I'm not saying that we should accept something that we're not responsible for. We shouldn't take other people's shit. If somebody is being unkind to us, we should not take that pile of poop and eat it. But what I am saying is we stop the cycle of hurt with us. We don't push it back. We don't push it on. I say we refuse to take it and we give it to God. And what that looks like in each particular circumstance can be different. But remember, 
It's not about us. It's not about me when somebody else is ugly and hurtful to me. It's about them. And we don't have to accept it, but we certainly don't have to take it and then multiply it and pass it on. What we should be multiplying and passing on is love, right? We kind of figured that out with our psalms or talked about that today with our psalms. But the pain and the suffering, that with the strength lent to us by God, we should break that cycle. We certainly shouldn't retaliate as Sarah did to the slave girl, hurting her and abusing her. And this has echoes of, of the later on in Genesis um, after Ishmael is born and Hagar's driven out into the wilderness and encounters God. But the angel of the Lord here is, is according to the com- my commentary at least, like God in a form that can be encountered on earth, right? Not not just an angel of God, but like the apparition of God, God appearing in, in this particular form. And I struggle with the angel saying, return to your mistress and submit to her. And I don't, I don't have any good answer for that other than it is this for a time. Because I don't think God ever wills our suffering. I really don't. But I do feel like maybe there's something here that it is. This for a time. And then on the other side, there will be great blessing. And redemption and restoration. And so maybe that's, maybe that's the message here for us. Is that sometimes we must endure the suffering for a time before we get to the blessing. But God, see us through the time of suffering. Show us the one that right next thing. Let us help us to put one foot in front of the other until we get to the other side with you. And just as God heard Hagar in her distress, God hears us. I think there's more I could say there, but I think also that it's time to, uh, it's a good point to move on to our New Testament reading.
So we have um, further explanation of Christ is beyond any earthly priest, right? Superseding. And it describes the new covenant. So Christ is the mediator of a new covenant so that we can receive eternal inheritance. Because a death, Christ's death, has occurred that redeems us from the transgressions under the first covenant. Now, it's interesting to me the need for blood. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. I'm not quite exactly sure why it is that way, other than that blood is life, and so there must be a sacrifice of life for the return to eternal life. I'm, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure the origin, um, but I do find it really interesting in verse 23. Thus, it was necessary for the sketches of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. I love that describing um, our human approximation of heavenly sacrifice and, and redemption as, as a sketch. So it's like, it, it's the best we can represent it, right? But it's, it's still a human approximation. The heavenly things themselves need better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands, a mere copy of the true one, but Christ entered into heaven itself. And then I think this is a really important reminder. So like, okay, Christ is the real deal. Christ is not like the best we can approximate or um, the best we can imitate. Christ is the real thing. And we have Christ now. And so I think that's the whole key here is that it's not um, a representation that we're trying to describe. It's, it's the actual holy living God. And so thus more than we could ever achieve, like way superseding our human efforts. And verse 25 is so important, nor was it to offer himself again and again. Jesus did this once and for all. We don't have to re-earn it. He doesn't have to come back and re-die. It is... It is timeless. So Christ's sacrifice is and was and will be and covers us everywhere and in every time. And then our um, passage concludes with verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, because that's been dealt with, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So when we see Christ the second time, it will be him rescuing us and us going to dwell in heaven. And I think we can hold on for that, as the Apostle Paul said, right? We can hang on and we can run the race and we can endure the suffering. And 
And I believe that the, the, the joys and blessings that we experience in these lives, they are, as my son says, glimpses of heaven. So let's do as Mary did and treasure those up in our hearts that it sustains us through the difficult times. And, and I believe that, that God is there with us even in the suffering and that when we keep our eyes fixed on God and cling to God and do our very human best to live God's law of love, there is great blessing, even in the middle. And it, and it carries forward and it overflows and it helps not just one, but all of us. I think that's enough said about that. Let's close up here. Almighty God, creator of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear, for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.